Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, The Brazilian Polyglot. If this is your first time on my podcast, let me introduce myself again. I am Ludmila. I am an English teacher and a polyglot who is fascinated about language learning. I help students from all across Brazil develop their English language skills through the AORU method, a method that speeds up your language learning process and which was developed by me. I currently own an online language school, Brazilian Polyglot School, where I teach the AORU method applied to the English language. As you can probably see, I love my work and my goal is to help you speak English fluently and accurately sooner than you can imagine. Because I don't believe we need to wait years and years before being able to communicate in English. That's why I developed this learning method, which is, by the way, the same method that I used to become fluent in my other languages too. If you want more tips on how to learn English effectively and how to develop your four skills in the language, stay tuned in my content. I am active on Instagram and I go live on YouTube every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Brazil time. I'm sure you will learn a lot from the content that I produce. Today, we are going to listen to the second episode of our third season of our podcast. On this season, you will listen to conversations between me and a native speaker of English, where we will chit-chat about several different topics, not only related to language learning. The purpose of these talks is to help you broaden your vocabulary in the English language, and of course, to expand your knowledge of the world, as we will learn about many different things with people from many different parts of the world. In today's episode, we will have a chat with Alexander Newman, or Alex, a Canadian native speaker of English. Alex has a civil engineering background and he has worked many years with the building materials industry. He wants to share some insights into infrastructure with us, which I thought it was going to be boring, but he said he was going to make it interesting, which I doubt. So we placed a bet. Hello, Alex. What's up? What's up? How are you? I am doing great. It's so good to see you here. And thank you very much for accepting my invitation to join my podcast and have a little conversation about whatever with me. <laughs> and well, thank you so much for inviting me. And I am so excited for this bet. I'm so excited to win my two free coffees you promised me. So oh, <laughs> Well, I don't actually remember that, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> all right, all righty. So, how do we want to start this? Do you how want to ask we... a question, or what do you want? Yeah, so first of all, Alex, what is this thing you have to tell us today about the difference between cement and concrete? Am I right? Yes, that is correct. So, I worked many, many years in this industry, and it was always fun to explain to people the difference between these two materials because most people think they are interchangeable you know they think it's all the same when in fact it's not so I'm going to tell you something hopefully all of your listeners will learn something and they will know more than 99% of the population so here's what you need to know 
you have here two elements, which are cement, or I think in Portuguese it's cemento, and you have concrete, which I think in Portuguese is concreto. And the difference is that cement is a part of concrete. So another way to look at it is that everything you see around you is concrete. Cement is just one of the ingredients. So the other way you can think of this is it's like making a cake. You know, a cake is the final product. You know, that's all the good, delicious stuff. And your cement is kind of like the powder or the, the flour. What do you call it in Portuguese? The arena, I think? Yeah, farinha. Farinha. So your cement is your farinha. And so you mix the, the powder, so either your cement with water and it makes concrete, or you mix your, your flour with water and other stuff and it creates your cake. So the big thing that people don't realize is that all around us, we have this infrastructure that people don't realize exists and they think it's all the same. And I just wanted to basically tell you that and maybe answer some questions and maybe tell you about this fascinating world because as we said, I need to uh, work for my two coffees. So <laughs> that makes sense, the difference between the concrete and cement. That is, that? that is interesting. Well, honestly, I have never stopped to think about it, but on the other hand, I feel like it's not something that I ever had to stop to think about it. Yeah. I mean, why why did you even make this difference? Because has anybody asked you, so uh, I wonder what's the difference between cement and concrete? I mean, is it something that ever comes comes to our mind eventually? You know what I mean? Not really, but it's more people will constantly say, oh, look at that cement truck going. And sometimes I let it fly. And other times I'm like, oh, let me be a nerd and tell you all about the fantastic and amazing world of cement and concrete. And, you know, I just find it fascinating because we live in the concrete jungle. Everything around us, you know, especially in large urban cities is made of concrete. And to understand the difference and where it comes from and the good and bad things about this building material, I think it's just very, very interesting, maybe. We'll see what your viewers think. We'll see what you think after we have this discussion. But First of all, I want to say that I loved this expression. Let me be a nerd and explain it to you. <laughs> I like, I think I'm going to incorporate that into my speech, you know, because I like to explain stuff a lot, especially related to language learning. Anyways, mm -hmm. yeah, so you made me wonder. All right, when we talk about cement and concrete, so cement is an ingredient to make this huge infrastructures that we see everywhere all right where are where are no let me correct myself where does all the cement in the world come from because that's a lot of concrete to build all this stuff for the whole planet yeah exactly and that's why i think it's fascinating because it's all around us there's a lot of it and people don't know where it comes from but so the cement or the powder is basically limestone. So it's a type of rock and it's heated up to about 1,500 Celsius. Yes, that's very, very hot. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but 1,500 Celsius and it changes the chemistry of the rock. And then it's crushed and then you add a couple other chemicals and voila, it becomes cement powder. And what's interesting about it is that, as I mentioned, 1,500 degrees is very, very hot. It's very energy intensive. You know, it requires a lot of energy 
And it's been a problem in the world because of the greenhouse gas that it emits. You know, cement production alone accounts for give or take 10 to 12% of the total um, greenhouse gases in the world. And people don't realize that. And that's the other reason I find it's very fascinating is because it's around us. And when people talk about global warming, finding a solution, there's a lot that exists. And again, this is why I find it fascinating because there's a lot to, that goes into it. So long story short, limestone heated up to 1,500 and cooled. But what is cool is in some places you can actually use eggshells, you can use oyster shells. There are some coastal cities um, that when they would make very small amounts, they would take oyster shells, heat it up, cool it, and voila, that makes your cement, so. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, you mentioned the word limestone. Limestone, this was even new to me. So that means calcario, right? For exactly. the people who are listening to that. Yeah. I really had no idea, Alex. I was so sure that as soon as I started doing this, I was going to learn so much. I was sure about it. Calcario, limestone. Is there enough limestone available on the planet in nature? Yeah. So the nice thing is that limestone is one of the most abundant materials. So it's very easy to find. You can find it in a lot of parts of the world. Um, so yeah, it's very abundant. So it's not like we're running out of limestone. So that's why it's very easy to produce it because we have a lot of it. Wow. You are absolutely right when we say that I mean, when we talk about this thing of a uh, global environment and uh, global warming and taking care of the environment and stuff, first thing that comes to my mind, at least, right, is saving water, mm -hmm. right? And um, yeah, I'm concerned about the greenhouses, greenhouse effects, green mm -hmm. greenhouse gases, right, that contribute yeah. to the greenhouse effect. And uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a vegetarian, so I do some research on this topic as well. And then I know that livestock is one of the reasons, right? One of the, one of the human attitudes, if I want to say it like that, that contribute to the emission of this carbon dioxide and all these gases, right? But um, yeah, I had really never thought of that. That, But okay, the production of cement made from the, the, the rock, limestone, Mm -hmm. Is it one of, is it a good, like not a good, because good is a positive, but is it a significant factor that contributes to, to the, the emission of greenhouse gases? Yeah, so there are two parts that, uh, that really make it detrimental to the environment. One is the actual chemical reaction of the limestone, because you change the chemistry. I don't want to get too nerdy, but for anyone that's a chemistry nerd, CaCO3, that's your limestone. And at the end, you get CaO. So as a result, what you're giving off is CO2. So that's one of the byproducts of the cement manufacturing process. That's one thing. And the other part is just the heat required. So in order to get the 1,500 or so degrees, you need a lot of fuel, a lot of heat. And that's the other part that contributes to the greenhouse gases. So. What is interesting though is there has been a significant advancement in technology to use less and less energy, which again is one of those things that I find fascinating about this industry that nobody looks. But there's a quick answer is that it's half is the production and half is just from the heat. All right, the production and the heat, that makes sense. 
Uh-huh. So you said that there are some alternatives to using limestone to produce cement, but it's not very well, abundant, not as abundant. Well, so it's not necessarily replacing the limestone, but it's using a different type of fuel. So now, at least I can speak in Canada, instead of just using natural gas or coal, we're starting to use byproducts of other industries. So basically the leftovers from the oil and gas that's manufactured in Canada, and we're using those so that gives off less greenhouse gases. As well, we found a way to produce cement that'll have the same strength, that'll make it just as strong, but using less amounts. So like 25% um, compared to what we used to make. So just by doing that, you may get rid of a quarter of your greenhouse gas just because you're not producing a quarter. So there's a lot of technology that goes into it um i can talk later about bacteria as well which is another cool topic but i'll save that for later no 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 let's talk about bacteria right. bacteria are fun <laughs> all right so there you go this is where we can really incorporate and multidisciplinary into this fantastic world of infrastructure so it's still a work in progress but they have been developing certain bacterias that they put in the concrete mix. So you put your cement, your water, a couple rocks, you know, it makes your concrete, it makes your final product, it makes your cake. And what they've done is they put bacteria in this. And what happens is the bacteria lies dormant. So it just doesn't do anything for who knows how long. And as soon as there's a crack or anything and water enters into the concrete, the bacteria has a chemical reaction with the water. And it, I don't even know how to describe it. it gives off calcium. It basically consumes the water and breathes off calcium. As a result, it hardens and fills the crack. So it self-repairs itself, which I know, I'm amazed. I don't know if you really are. I don't know if your views are, but I think it's so cool that you can have stuff that is repairing itself live. So that's one of the other things that's still a work in progress, mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely coming as well as they're looking at using concrete that can actually capture the CO2 from the air. Instead of giving it off, it actually absorbs it. This is also another work in progress, but these are all coming down the pipeline and we'll see what happens in the future. But It seems to me that all, um, that all this work in progress you're mentioning, they're good news, right? It's yeah. good news because in the past, I mean, of course, our world wasn't as globalized as it is today. We didn't have as many infrastructures as we do today. And uh, to keep up with the pace of progress, you know, humans need to reinvent themselves and use technology as a tool, right? Exactly. Exactly. And like you said, we're reinventing ourselves in so many ways as a human race, whether we're using electric vehicles instead of gasoline or whether we're using renewable um renewable resources or we're consuming less meat or in the case like you've done gone vegetarian you know we're all finding ways to change our world and um you know as we're talking about concrete cement building materials this is just one of the many ways we can contribute but because it does represent 10 to 12 percent of the greenhouse gases it's very substantial and very interesting i think that's so. awesome. All right. I got another question. When it comes to cement production, I can see your face like, oh, there's another question coming. <laughs> yeah, I might win my two coffees. So excited for this. That's awesome. Um, in terms of cement, cement or cement, the pronunciation? Cement. Cement. 
cement yeah in terms of cement production in i mean in terms of countries um is there one or are there two or three or a couple of countries that are more dominant in cement production or each country has their own you know uh enough production if i can say that no i mean cement is definitely like any commodity it's traded worldwide again it's not something people picture they don't picture giant boats full of this powder going across the ocean but it happens or there's certain of the raw materials that are used and sent abroad and used to create the cement um but i mean any of your big leaders like um anyone that's building a lot so china has a lot of of cement production because it's it's building so fast and the thing about cement and other building materials is it's very heavy so you want to minimize the amount of time it, you transport it you know you want to kind of have a more localized production which is why with rocks just your general aggregates and your cement you want to try to keep it as close to home as possible so i mean pretty much anywhere you go in the world you're going to find cement production um, some areas have a better calcium, which I know is hard to picture what is bitter calcium, but there are better types of calcium in the fantastic, amazing world of cement based on the quality and based on the chemistry. But no, I would just say everywhere you go in the world, they're going to have various cement manufacturing um, factories or, or at least places where they're going to be importing it from nearby. So, yeah. That makes sense when it comes to transporting the cement, right? Mm, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, what is the less harmful way to transport it or more efficient? By sea? No, by land? By sea, yes. But actually, if you just transport it less, then that's the easiest way. You know, if you can get something that's within 100 kilometers of where you're building, of where your city is, that's the easiest, most effective way because you're not transporting it across the sea so it's all about getting local production that that'll really help you and also by having the local production you're having less less emissions from the trucks or the trains less chances of you know spills and having it go into the environment so uh that's uh that's one of the things about it wow and perhaps it it, it ends up being cheaper as well producing and manufacturing locally I don't know. Yeah, it depends on where you are in the world. But I think, again, because your raw materials have to be transported and rocks are heavy, you know, and you're taking a lot of rocks and you're crushing it and heating it up. So if you can get rid of that cost, then you, you can do it for significantly cheaper. So, yeah, that's why, like, I think of Canada itself, there's off the top of my head around five or ten cement plants in Canada. So you kind of cover a wide range and each kind of cover part of their province and maybe cross border into the states. But so they're not everywhere, everywhere, but you definitely have some all across and it's all around. You know what? You just sparkled my curiosity. After this chat, I am going to Google <laughs> just because I want to find out where is the nearest cement industry in Brazil, just out of curiosity. How come I had never thought of that? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm actually going to look that up off the top of my head, um, what the company is called. But I know there's a big company. Oh, Votorat team. Votorat team? I'm Votorat. not saying it properly. 
Votorantim, of course. Yeah. So that's the big um, cement plant. But I mean, that's the Brazilian company. But, you know, many companies that are multinational have offices all around. You know, there's the big company, the Swiss-based Lafarge Wholesome. They're based in Switzerland. You've got Itali Cementi, which is Italian. CMEX, which is Mexican. But they have plants all around the world. So, yeah, look it up. Learn about awesome. that is true, Votorantim. But you know, it just slipped slipped my mind. Of course, it yeah. is a cement industry. I okay. Um, and I think this might be my last question. You mentioned something about the quality of the calcium, yeah. Yeah. Um, it also depends on the region as well. So depending on the continent, I don't know, it just crossed my mind. Uh, in the desert, for example, can you find uh, this rock in in the uh, desert or it, in those countries they need to import more? It Well, actually, I have an interesting point after about that. But it depends because calcium is formed when um, it's basically bones and whatnot from animals. So if there was ever marine life in that part of land, then you'll have calcium because that's what it ends up being. It's shells and bones that have been crushed over millions and millions of years. So if you're in an area that now is a desert, but at one point was a seabed floor or it had something like life, you will most likely find some calcium deposits. Of course, when we talk about the quality of the calcium deposit, what could happen is you could have different elements in the ground, such as uh chlorine or something which isn't good for the quality of the cement so then you might not be able to use that or you need certain amounts of aluminum and iron and other molecules and other components so if you have to import a little bit of iron or a little bit of aluminum then it's not as good quality but uh, in general i think there's most parts of the world you can find it i'm, I'm not a geologist but it's pretty abundant mm -hmm. um can I add something though? You talked about places that have to import building materials like the desert. And believe it or not, this goes back to now just the concept of sand. So when you make your concrete, again, you're making like your cake. So you have your cement powder, you have water, you have rocks, you have sand, all of that makes it together to make concrete. And can you believe it that in a place like, for example, Dubai, in the middle of the desert, they actually had to import a lot of their sand from places like Australia, which people are blown away when I tell them this, but it's because there's also a good quality and bad quality of sand when you make your buildings. So this will be for another episode, all about good quality and bad quality sand and the sand mafia. But yeah, um, back to the earlier point, there's definitely parts of the world that have good quality and bad quality, but you can find it most places, I think. Wow, so I think we already have the title of our next talk, huh? The Sand Mafia. Mafia. <laughs> if you have a couple minutes, look it up on YouTube and you'll kind of be a bit awestruck, I think, by what you will find about it. But wow. yeah, I am definitely going to look this up because, wow, you sparkled my curiosity. Alex, last but not least... Do you think you will ever start a business on a cement industry? Why don't you start your own yeah. <laughs> industry? <laughs> oh my God, because it's so expensive. 
a new plant will cost a couple billion dollars or maybe more. It's not a small little mom and pop thing. If you ever see a cement pipe, you will see just how big it is. And you'll say, hey, this is not something that you can start on your own unless you have, unless you are the richest person in Brazil or in Canada or wherever, you probably don't have enough money to start it. So, you know what? That makes sense because this uh, Votorantin company you just mentioned. Um, yeah, Votorantin Cimentos is a cement company. Who is the owner? I remembered the the name of that guy oh my gosh it slipped my mind right now but he is certainly oh it's a brazilian family owned company with 103 years of history mm -hmm. wow yeah then i forgot right now probably some of the listeners know this um but this uh, the owner of this company he was one of the i think one of the billionaires in brazil yeah, it's possible. I think also like CMEX in Mexico is maybe not owned by the richest man in Mexico, but the richest man definitely has a stake in it. So it's not it's not something you can just start on your own. But uh, it's an interesting business. I mean, and like any industry, once you dive into it, you will learn so much about it that it can spark your interest. So Hopefully that's what I've done with you and your listeners today. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah, it just opened up, at least with me, you know, it opened up my mind to, wow, this is something else that I can learn about, you know. This is why I had this idea of chatting about other topics rather than language learning. You know, we talk about language learning over and over again. So it's good to broaden our horizons a little bit. Wow. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. Thank you very much, Alex. I had a great time chatting with you here and I hope we will do this more often in the near future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for letting me share what I think is an interesting topic. Hopefully I've sparked some people's interest, but uh, thank you for having me on this. Really enjoyed it. Well, that was it for today, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode, remember to check my other content and don't hesitate to contact me if you have any suggestions or comments about the podcast. I will be more than glad to hear from you. Take care and see you next time. Mm -hmm.